basketball. So after probably one game of soccer, it was it was. <laughs> it got pretty beat up. Yeah, you get some green hints to it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, you know, I, I also work in higher education and and helping with some of their marketing, their branding, and I like working with their executives, which are vice provosts and deans. And we took a vice provost who was also a physics teacher, and we had him come into the green screen, and we did the physics of football. So, you know, how the physics works within a spiral, the best way to tackle according to science. And it's interesting how you, you forget that, you know, whether it's football or these other sports, they're really like science-based at the end of the day. Yeah. You don't think about that. And marketing is a science, really. Did we, did we just lose Dave? No, he's back. No, he's back. <laughs> All right. I'm back, Ed. So right, we are live uh, officially. So here we are talking about uh, sports, basketball, football, disappointment, victory, defeat, marketing, sponsors, subliminal messages, all the things associated with uh, grand productions. And productions can be a startup. Productions can be a scale up. Productions can be a Fortune 500 or Fortune 50 company. But today we're going to talk about um, how the players on the field, how the coaches behind the field, and how the audience, which is like your customers, all come together and how the marketing is the glue that connects it all. Because at the end of the day, whether it's a, a Super Bowl or whether it's a product that you're launching, you have to have a coordinated effort and people have to know about it. Because if you have an amazing product and an amazing service, but nobody knows or you can't explain it in a way that anyone cares, what does it really matter? So welcome to the Scale Up Heroes podcast here. We have experts from around the world that take off their capes because that's awkward to be on video with your capes and your superhero costume. So you, we shed those and we're here to talk about um, their real life experiences and when it comes to scaling different elements. And today we're going to be talking about scaling marketing. So my name is Ryan Fullen. I'm a global keynote speaker. I talk about talking and I help executives learn how to say less to essentially market themselves in a more effective way. We've got Dave here who's going to run the ship and we have a great show lined up for us uh, representing from all around the world. And um, if you are curious about seeing more of these episodes, if you go to scaleupacademy.io, you can check it out. And Dave, I will hut, hut, hike, pass the ball over to you. As, as I, uh, Ryan, as I like to tell my kids, I haven't dropped a pass since 89. So... So, uh, so thanks, uh, thanks for that introduction. I am uh, Dave Debaugh, the uh, Vice President of Marketing at Agora IO. Um, happy to be joined today uh, by by Philip and Ian. I'm not going to butcher their last names, so I'm going to allow them to uh, uh, to get those things uh, uh, correct. Uh, we're going to have a great podcast today and and cover uh, you know kind of a wide variety of things. Um, I wanted to um, just go ahead and kick the uh, the show off though with uh, Philip and uh, Philip. Can you go ahead and give us uh, 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 some background on yourself, the uh, the company that you work for, and just just a little bit of information about the uh, your your marketing organization and the size of it. Yeah, sure, happy to. Um, so I'm Philip Blankenagel. That's uh, the very German last name. Nobody outside of Germany can actually pronounce. So I. Uh, I got that out of the way. Um, I work for uh, the Berlin-based company Solaris Bank. We're um, a startup bank, basically, um, almost uh, three years old now. And uh, since uh, the launch uh, in March 2016, when we received our full banking license, uh, up to now we've grown to a bit more than 200 people. Um, I'm VP of Marketing and Communications here. I was also part of the company when we launched. So uh, basically grew with the company from 10, 15 people to a bit more to, uh, of the, than 200 by, by now. And um, the marketing team actually is uh, still only five people within uh, the whole company, um, or actually five people. You could probably see it uh, both ways. Um, and what, of course, is, is important to know is that we're a purely a B2B company. So uh, you might know the uh, B2C new banks, neo banks uh, like Revolut, like, like Monzo from the UK and 26 from Germany. Um, but this large bank is quite different. It's a B2B company and we enable other companies like fintech startups, corporates uh, to offer their own financial services. So if you, Dave, want to build your own bank, uh, but you don't have a banking license, you can basically do that. Uh, on top of Solaris Bank. 
and having this uh, B2B focus targeting um, a variety of other companies obviously uh, has a huge impact on, on how we do marketing. Um, and uh, our marketing team of five currently um, has like a distribution of you know, content marketing uh, events is, is obviously uh, pretty important for us. Um, also uh, product marketing, uh, but we also do PR uh, internal communications within, uh, within the team. So it's, it's uh, quite a, um, a wide distribution of, of, of tasks we're looking at. Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Philip. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, discussing the Bank of Dave with you. <laughs> uh, after after this broadcast, um, I've been wanting to wanting to have my own personal bank for a while. There you go. Um, Ian, uh, let's uh, let's hear from you and get your uh, background, a correct pronunciation of your last name, and 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 who you work for. No problem. So it's Ian McLeod um, from the from the Highlander films. If anyone needs uh, a reference. Um, so yeah, so I'm the uh, marketing director at uh, Triptease. Um, so my background is really in kind of high growth, uh, disruptive uh, technology startups, uh, both across kind of B2B and B2C. Um, so I've been working kind of across, I'm up to about my sixth uh, different kind of startup now, uh, and, and really kind of focused around structuring marketing teams, structuring marketing processes um, to enable scale, uh, essentially. So. Uh, Triptease, uh, Triptease is a, a SaaS uh, startup. Uh, we build industry-leading software for the hotel industry, and our kind of uh, mission and, and vision in life is to, is to help hoteliers take back control uh, of their kind of online distribution. Uh, I won't get into the uh, into the full story about how OTAs, online travel agents, have been kind of crushing uh, independent hoteliers um, in terms of their distribution channels. Um, so we try and kind of level the playing field a little bit and um, we kind of work with hotels across their full customer journey all the way from acquisition through to conversion on their site uh, and help them kind of um, play in the same space as the OTAs in terms of the distribution. Uh, we're post-Series B, um, offices in London, New York, Singapore. I think we're up to about 125 employees. Uh, I joined when uh, I think it was about 35, 40, uh, two years ago. Um, marketing, um, I joined when there was, I think, uh, one and a half. I, I say half because the, the second person was on their second day. Um, so yeah, two people within marketing. We're, we're currently 11. Um, and we've kind of grown the, the full structure and processes from scratch. Um, I think Triptease as a business, I uh, was extremely fortunate to really kind of find that product market fit that all scale-ups are, are really looking for and really kind of uh, found that, that niche within a market that the hoteliers were crying out for and um, managed to capitalize on that through the kind of early adopter phase uh, of the growth curve. Uh, and it was really about the time to, to move into the mass market uh, of hotels uh, globally and build up that kind of brand awareness and, um, and processes there. So, me. Fantastic. Um, and uh, Highlander movies are fantastic as well. Um, uh, so do you get, um, do you just stay at exclusively at five-star hotels personally because of your connections at this point or? Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of the perks that doesn't actually, uh, uh, transpire too often. Um, we have great relationships with our hoteliers and we do have some, um, some kind of corporate rates, um, but not as often as I would like, that's for sure. Gotcha. Okay, um, so uh, we'll give you just uh, some quick background on myself. Uh, Dave DeBaugh, Vice President of Marketing at Agora IO. Uh, we produce um, uh, APIs and SDKs, which, which enable uh, in-app uh, video communication and um, audio communication. Um, when I uh, joined the company, um, we had uh, basically one other marketer on the team. Uh, at this point, um, as a company, we're 280 plus employees around the globe. Um, and mind you, this is uh, less than, you know, two years ago. Um, and uh, over 15, uh, 15 marketers on the team as well, uh, sort of spread out um, around, um, around the world. Um, so we've had a, a, a real, um, I've had a real fun time really kind of going from a, a small um, marketing organization and having it scale uh, not just in the U.S., but also scale uh, globally, so we can reach um, reach uh, additional markets uh, with what we're doing. 
uh, which leads me to the um, to the first real question of the day. And um, and Ian, uh, we're going to we're going to start with you. Um, you know, when yeah. um, uh, when you when you kind of joined uh, joined your team, what were some of the uh, sort of the key um, key things you were looking for uh, from a marketer? Uh, with regards to scaling your marketing organization, what what are some of the key uh, uh, things that they do that you were really looking for uh, in building out your team? Yeah, so I have quite a quite a simple playbook when kind of building up teams, um, and there's some certain characteristics that kind of for me underpin a successful marketer, especially within the, the startup kind of scale up uh, environment. I think. Um, it's very true that to work in a startup, work in a scale-up, you have to be a unique type of person. Uh, I don't think it's suited for everyone. Um, so for me, um, when hiring and when kind of building those teams up, uh, there's kind of four or five key things I look for. Uh, drive, determination, tenacity, uh, focus, uh, and attitude. Um, I just don't think you can survive in such a fast-paced, uh, um, kind of aggressive timeframes, aggressive deadlines, um, and, and kind of, those, those KPIs that just look unachievable on a, on a quarterly by quarterly basis, but you, you find a way to get there. And I think that unless you have that, um, unless you have that tenacity and, and drive, then it can be quite demoralizing in some stages because uh, all scale ups know that you go through ups and downs. And I think to have that, that team camaraderie and to ensure that you have that, that kind of single focus, uh, I think is critical. I think skill sets can be, lo- uh, can be learned. Um, but I think the actual, characteristics of the people that, that create the team uh, you're going to be in the trenches together uh, and I think that it's it's imperative to to kind of surround yourself by smart highly ambitious uh, talented uh, but driven people yeah I, I completely agree um, uh, drive and determination um, those those are you know two two words you just used I, I think are imperative um, when, you know, building a, uh, uh, building a marketing organization that has to scale, uh, you, you know, a lot of times you're looking for those, those, those couple key people on your team that you can help sort of, uh, build the, uh, build the groundwork, if you will. Uh, so you can build the pyramid above them. Um, my, my dad's from Egypt, so I get to use pyramid references all the time. Um, so, so Philip, how about you? What are, what are some of the uh, key roles and characteristics of uh, scaling a marketing organization that you look for? Uh, I would totally agree with Ian. So I think the, the characteristics um, are way more important than, uh, let's say, uh, level of experience, seniority. So if, if a person brings this, this ambition, uh, that's, that's most important. And, um, and besides this, you know, what you already mentioned, Ian, the, the can-do attitude, the determination and so on, I think what is really important is that the person can adapt to a fast-changing environment. Because, of course, you need to have a strategy in place and you need to, to know where you're going. But um, uh, the, the business strategy and the business itself can change very, uh, very fast, very frequently. And you need someone who can just, you know, roll with the punches and can adapt to that as well. And, and doesn't stick to, you know, a plan you've made and it becomes obsolete uh, at a certain point in time. And I think that's, that's super important. So that flexibility and, and also that willingness, you know, to, uh, you know, see that as a chance, this, this change and just, uh, just go with it. I think that's, that's super important in, in marketing as well. And then of course you gotta be, you know, super creative. You gotta be full of ideas and, and come up with, with cool stuff because usually uh, on the budget side, you can't compete with, with big companies. And, and so you gotta, uh, make up for that with really good ideas and and sometimes be maybe a little bit um, you know unorthodox but um, that's that's just typical startup I think and um, and just you know roll up your sleeves and, and get it done and um, yeah and then obviously from the skill set it's it's really good to build diverse teams I think that's also somebody uh, something uh, you've, you've heard many times but that that's definitely true in marketing as well so uh, somebody who's who's a great writer and, and really great if you need to have that person in the team maybe that person is not super organized but then you have somebody who's you know fantastic in organizing and making plans and and uh, you know organizing projects and I think when it comes to um, to events or to internal processes that's also super valuable so uh, make sure you have people who are really ambitious um, who you know want to get shit done and at the same time are quite diverse but you know love to work in a team and not only in the marketing team but in the overall team because you, you need to get the information, the knowledge, the internal knowledge uh, from, from like all your uh, colleagues and employees. And so you need great team workers who can, you can bond with, with others uh, across the, the company quickly. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think absolutely being able to um, uh, work across organizations is is so important. Um, uh, uh, there, there should be no silos anymore in uh, in in sort of, especially in a startup uh, organization. Uh, you, you need to be able to work really closely with with sales teams, engineers, uh, customer service and support. You know, if you're in a consumer business, and and too often, especially like sort of in the old days of business, everything was so siloed and you'd be pitted the, the, the poor marketing guy and the poor sales guy would be structured to not like each other, which is, a, which is, which is a terrible thing. <laughs> so, so actually, you know, really, um, really being able to um, work well with others across your organization, I think is really important. Um, uh, you know, uh, Philip, you said one other, um, you said lots of interesting things, but one, one, one of the interesting things was, um, uh, you know, willing to fail. Um, and, and I, that, you know, this sort of brings up something that, um, uh, we, you know, we've tried to do, um, not a lot of, uh, but when we do fail, uh, we have to know that we failed and, and from that failure, we actually have to, you know, figure out how to succeed. And, um, you know, too often in times, you know, we, we get complacent and we just sort of just go through the, the day-to-day -day operations and numbers are numbers, but they're not really good. <laughs> good numbers. And, and so uh, we have to admit, you know, sort of when we do something that doesn't work out as, as well um, as we would like it to work out. I, th I think that's a really good point, David. One of our uh, kind of internally company, uh, company values is obsessive learning. Um, so it's something we try and instill across the whole business. Uh, and it's something that I um, definitely try and instill within marketing is that you have to be obsessive about learning and that and that means all the way down to assessing your own performance assessing the kind of marketing execution um but also the fact that when things do go wrong and things will go wrong is is do you have the structure in place to learn from it uh, do you have retrospective are you able to take a step back and actually do you have the kind of data framework so you can actually know if things went wrong as you said it's, it's the case of there's sometimes projects, tasks where you can kind of go, it didn't hit the success measure that we set, but it doesn't necessarily have the full kind of data analysis behind it to be able to say, well, why? What went wrong? We, we might have missed the kind of end, end goal, but there could have been so many more learnings within the process that allows us in, to, to kind of iterate on that and, and change uh, for the next time. I just want to pick up on one last um, quick thing that Philip said, just around um, complementary skills. Uh, I think, again, that's super, super critical. If you just had, if I had a team full of people that were exactly the same as me, I think I would go insane. I think the team would go insane. And I think we would achieve half the things that we have achieved. So I think it's, I, I kind of see as building up a marketing team. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's like, what bit are you missing? Have you got your corner piece? Have you got your center piece? Uh, and like I say, being able to kind of bring those complementary skills together to, to make sure that everyone's elevated, uh, I think is, a, is another key component. I, I mean, I, I personally, I used to, uh, I, I used to say when I'd go into a, a new company, I'd always look for a writer first. Um, that was like the, the first thing I always wanted to hire, but um, uh, I've completely, it, it's, it's all situational. It depends on the organization that you're going into the stage of that, uh, of that company um, and what it, what it really needs to, you know, kind of grow. Um, so, uh, so, so, Philip, uh, a question for you. Um, when you, you know, got to the um, uh, to Solaris, um, what were some of the uh, initial sort of challenges that you uh, encountered when um, when starting your marketing organization? Um, you know, sort of both external and internal. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, uh, the, the first challenges were, were just due to the nature of the company, right? When I, when I joined, uh, we were two weeks before launching. I worked with a, with a team beforehand, but everything, you know, was about to, uh, to become uh, public. And, and uh, so um, a lot of stuff had to be done. Uh, the team was a team of 10, 15 people. And so from uh, people realizing we don't have business cards, can uh, somebody take care of that? To, okay, we've uh, finalized the, the first press release. Uh, and and we're finalizing the website as we speak. So just that that you know huge variety of tasks which needed to be done and and somebody to take care of it. I think that was obviously uh, a challenge. 
And, and, and that's also, you know, what's, what's really fun about working in a, in a, in a startup and in a fast growing company, because you have a huge variety of tasks and you kind of need to do them and you, do, you can't be picky about, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm not going to do. Um, and then over time, uh, what actually is, is a challenge, but at the same time, really rewarding is trying to, you know, obviously professionalize that and to set up a team so you can actually distribute the tasks and really find out who's taking care of what and it doesn't have to be one, one person anymore. So. Uh, that's something which is a challenge, but at the same time, a great way to to learn and and you know to build a team. And and then externally, we were really fortunate to um, to have a great public launch. So um, until then, it was uh, you know not too many young companies, not too many startups have actually applied or had applied for a banking license and received it. So it, it was pretty newsworthy, and we focused a lot on on PR in the beginning, um, and and got great coverage from you know pretty much all over the world, and and that actually led to huge interest in, in Solaris Bank, especially in the industry of, of fintech and, and finance and banking, and um, and that was obviously something you had to deal with as well with a small team with um, you know founders which were asked on stage and in interview like uh, asked for interviews and and to to join events and so on, so to coordinate that and to to really focus and, and figure out what are you going to do? What are you not going to do with all the opportunities you suddenly had? I think that's, uh, that's kind of an external challenge, which again was, you know, a very fortunate challenge, but something we had to learn how to deal with. And also, to be honest, uh, you know, just try out some things, right? To see, you know, is that event really worth going to? Do we want to speak on stage? Is that an interview which made sense for us? And, and so to try out things to maybe sometimes make not the best decisions, but in many cases make, you know, solid decisions and, and learn from them. So yeah, that was a super interesting learning curve. That's awesome. If there was like just one thing that you could do different, <laughs> I, know, I know I'm totally putting you on the spot, but if there's like one thing that you could do different from those first two weeks, what would it be? From the first two weeks, Jesus. Um, <laughs> which I, is like which is like seven years, because I, I know what it's like <laughs> two weeks before a launch. You're, you're yeah. up 24 seven. Um, uh, what, what could we have done differently? I think, I mean, obviously it would have helped to have more people, right? Because I think the, the amount of, of opportunities we had right from the beginning, um, it was fantastic and, uh, you know, a little bit overwhelming at the same time, but um, obviously we had to focus a lot and, and decide very quickly what are we going to do and what we're not going to do. And I, I can't name one thing, you know, we turned down and did not do right now, which I kind of regret, but I'm sure there was, you know, one or two or even more great opportunities we uh, we didn't end up doing because we didn't have the, the time and resources for it. So uh, I'm pretty sure that you to you know, this fact that you have uh, great uh, public awareness all of a sudden and, and, and so much uh, incoming demand, uh, I'm pretty sure we made some decisions which, you know, we could have done better at the end. Gotcha. All right, uh, Ian, question, same, same question for you. What, what, uh, what were some of the big challenges uh, that you encountered uh, when you started your marketing organization at Triptease? <laughs> Yes, I think I think for me, um, I I, I kind of landed on quite a unique situation within startups where with with minimal kind of marketing investment, minimal kind of marketing structure, or even kind of headcount, um, the brand had been established. Um, so the founder uh, did a fantastic job of really pioneering a category, uh, the direct booking movement for hotels, uh, which we've seen kind of Hilton and Marriott um, get on board with. Um, but Triptease is really the pioneer behind that and. Um, so I kind of joined an organization that had very minimal structure, but on the internally, um, but externally looked, was absolutely flying, uh, was kind of, um, kind of signing up hotels kind of, um, at such a rapid pace. So to be able to kind of take a step back and say, we cannot continue running at this kind of light speed with, without the processes in place to be able to uh, kind of codify all these, these areas. Um, what I love about kind of scale up uh, uh, and the fact that this is the scale up academy is the fact that people don't realize there's a huge difference between startup, which kind of as Philip talked about when he kind of starts right at the beginning and you're sitting around in the garage trying to work out, well, let's just send out a newsletter today or let's, uh, let's write a press release tomorrow or do whatever. To get into that scale up stage where there has to be that structure, you have to know what, how you're going to achieve your kind of quarterly goals. You need to know and plan in advance. So I think it's sometimes seen as the um, not the, the the most sexy of areas of marketing, but I think once you get into that scale up uh, phase uh, of growth for a startup, it's all about can you build out the processes that are repeatable uh, and that create efficiencies and economies of scale. So that was my biggest challenge: is is uh, it, I wasn't starting from zero, 
in terms of the um, the brand awareness, in terms of the sales traction, um, but in terms of a internally what we had to put in place. So it was kind of a take a step back while still trying to run at the same pace that the organization was going. So I think that was the biggest challenge for me. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was going to say, I think that's always one of the, um, one of the big challenges uh, is, is knowing when um, you as uh, sort of like the head of your marketing organization uh, can start to take your foot um, off the pedal and, and start to assign and hand off other things to other people. Um, and, and, you know, that includes, uh, you know, hiring more people to do more things. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm always happy when I'm no longer the writer at the company, um, uh, as, as, as much fun as it is, um, it's always good, you know, when, um, uh, when there's somebody else that does, you know, certain things, uh, better than, than I can do. Um, and, and I think that's always one of the things that are challenges and, and you bring up a really good point. It's, you know, when you're in a startup, and you're the head of a marketing organization, a lot of times you're doing everything personally. Um, and when you go to, when you start to scale the organization, you're not only scaling your employees, uh, but you're also scaling, you know, tasks and duties, uh, which is ultimately going to, if it gets planned out correctly, is going to allow you to um, uh, kind of grow um, faster. Um, so, so Philip, um, how do you find like sort of the right marketing mix uh, uh, and focus in an environment where at the beginning, at least you're really lacking resources. Yeah. Um, I think obviously you have to, uh, you have to come up with these, uh, with these structures and this focus from, from the business strategy. So, um, as, as I said earlier, we're a B2B company. Uh, we're focused on, uh, on working with, you know, from startups to tech companies to, to corporates and banks. So quite a, a variety of, of companies and we need to make sure that obviously all our marketing efforts with the, the limited resources we have, um, directly go into, into this direction and help the business, uh, goals at the end of the day so uh, that's that's kind of the first task and then um, as I said earlier you have to always have to grow with the organization so uh, currently um, we have five business units um, so it's basically cross-functional teams built around uh, the products we have and, uh, and they're led by by managing director of the business unit so they have clear goals what with their business unit they want to achieve uh, in the next quarter and, and the next year. And so obviously we have to be aligned very closely with, with these guys to make sure that, that they achieve their goals on the, on the you know, brand awareness, on the sales, on the, on the revenue side. And, and what we actually do is um, as a company last year, we started like beginning of last year, we started using uh, OKRs, objectives and key results uh, throughout the whole company. So when we look, up, look at setting up processes, that obviously goes for you know, the whole company as well and only for the marketing team. And, and uh, that's you know, a perfect way for us to align on a quarterly basis with the unit as well to see how we can actually help them to achieve their OKRs and, and what we need to do, you know, to kind of uh, achieve our goals on a quarterly basis. Um, and I think we actually learned a lot last year setting all of these processes up and and um, and actually uh, it took us quite some time, maybe even a quarter as well, to really streamline the process and to really um, create, you know, very, very good efficiency uh, internally as well. I've got a question just to chirp in real quick. Um, when you're talking about this marketing mix, you know, I'm thinking of a blender comes to mind and um, the, the right consistency in what you're pouring in, but you're talking about the, the messaging for the company, but as you're growing to scale and as you become uh, at a part where you become this scale up, I'm curious, both your, your real world experience with building the awareness of the employees that are working in the marketing company and the executives that are leading the team, because it's one thing to say, here's our company brand and how well we're doing, but it's also the interesting mix of here's the amazing people that we have that are on our team that are out there. So I'm curious how you weave in the professional development as the company's growing, because all the conversation, we're really talking about how we're driving the company, but then we started talking about the talents, the creativity, the flexibility, the change, the ambition of those people. So how do you create that mix between um, someone who is on this team in a growing fashion and you're saying, you know, we're going to continue to build, but mixing who they are and the fact that they're working. So kind of this mix between professional development and personal branding, I, I can see how some situations it's not just the company, but people want to do business with the people behind the scenes. So I'm curious how you support both of those as you scale. Um, yeah, I can, I can be stuck. Sure. Um, 
I think I would see from from two perspectives. So uh, when we look at the variety of personal brands we have within the company, um, obviously, you know, we have we have the founders, we have the board members who are quite present in the media and on stages and so on. But uh, quite quickly, we started to also when it comes to to industry events where we would like to meet interesting companies we want to do business with, uh, we also started quickly to put, um, you know, other people besides the the board members or the the founders on stages because we we were very fortunate to have you know a great variety of of you know representatives of brand ambassadors of good speakers uh, you know from from the market facing teams mostly um, but also the managing directors of the business units I mentioned earlier so we have great people we can you know we can we can put out there to you know become faces of Solaris Bank and actually we've been doing that um, very early onwards because uh, first of all it helps the founders and the board members as well to have you know less of that. Um, burden on, on their shoulders uh, to, to go out there and be the representatives. At the same time, you empower more people, you know, to speak for the company, um, to make connections. And, and yeah, and since we have a great team, it makes sense to show that as well. And I think that's also one of the facts when we, when we you know, do surveys, when we speak to our partners, one thing they always rate pretty much the highest is, is the people they're working with. And so I think it makes sense to, to show that. At the same time, the, the second aspect you mentioned is, is how do you develop your team? So um, uh, our HR team is, did a really fantastic job of, of setting up a learning framework within this company. So kind of a framework how to um, yeah, develop your talent, uh, you know, taking their ambitions into account and, and kind of do that together. And, and I think that's also super important because you, you want to make sure that um, the people you're in your team you're working with, uh, they also see that as a great opportunity to, to grow and to learn. And, and, uh, and, and that way we do that on a you know, kind of quarterly basis. I mean, we have regular feedback talks, talks but we, that development talk, we do that kind of on a quarterly basis to define what exactly can we do to you know, enable you to make the next step. And, and I think both, both aspects are actually really important when you want to become a scaler. Uh, yeah, for me, I think there's, there's two key aspects. It's about giving people a platform uh, and then challenging them. Um, I think the people that want to shine and people that kind of want to come to the forefront will, uh, and it's not to say everybody needs to, um, but being, being able to provide people with a platform to put a face to, to the company. I mean, we're, we're obsessive, uh, again, again, about our learning, but uh, the additional kind of company value we have is one team. Uh, we, we act as one team and we want our, our, our clients to be aware of the team. So um, similar to Philip in terms of our NPS scores, um, our feedback is all around the people. Uh, we've had kind of comments such as it feels like part of our team. We're obviously software as a service business and services is a key element of that. Um, and therefore, we, we recently made a big change around our customer success team. Um, and we actually kind of rebranded them essentially into direct booking coaches. Um, and that was because they were going above and beyond. They, 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 were, they were not providing just customer support. They were really coaching uh, and developing uh, our clients and, and really acting as that kind of additional member of their team. So, uh, yeah, I think it's critical for everybody within the business to be given that platform, really challenge them to take a step up. Uh, I mean, our head of content is is renowned within the hotel industry for kind of thought leadership and insightful comment. Our, our head of events is, is, again, renowned in the industry for putting on industry-leading events uh, and bringing a community of hoteliers together. Uh, and again, we, we're lucky enough to have um, some fantastic senior management team uh, who are um, fantastic at being on stage. And as Philip said, it's, uh, it's getting the right people in the right organization because your people are your brand, essentially. So they're the they're the interactions that your clients, your prospects, the industry will have is, is with your people. Uh, and uh, therefore, um, they need to be advocates of the brand and advocates of the, of the kind of vision and purpose of the business. Yep, uh, I completely agree. Um, I, I was going to say, you know, your, your brand starts when you're in an elevator. <laughs> and, you know, and you're... You're ultimately, you know, explaining to somebody what it is that you do and what your what your company, uh, your your company does, um, and and it carries uh, Ian as as you mentioned, your you know your customer success team and and sort of how they've changed. It, it goes throughout the um, sort of life cycle of the customer with you, whether or not they become a customer, uh, if they do become a customer, how they're treated throughout the entire uh, sort of uh, sort of process. So. Um, you know, it's 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 always a good idea, I think, for for most organizations to uh, to find a uh, find a way to have more than one uh, talking head 
uh, unless you uh, unless you have you know the the premier talking head um, you know for your for your company. It's I think it's always a good idea to get um, a wide variety of people out uh, with your brand uh, speaking um, uh, speaking to the public if you can if you can do it. Uh, I'm just going to uh, slightly shift away from this just for a second. This is this is a question. This is this is something that I'm uh, I'm always passionate about, um, and it's project management. Um, and so, uh, so Philip, I'd love to know, um, you know, how you handle uh, project management for your marketing organization, and uh, you know, maybe even give some uh, uh, give us some uh, hints about the uh, system that you're actually using for your project management of your marketing organization. Sure, absolutely. Um, I mean, from from the processes and structures point of view, I already mentioned that you know we did a great effort last year to to kind of move it more into the OKR quarterly planning uh, kind of kind of logic, um, because uh, as I'm sure you're aware, especially in the beginning, um, you work on on a very much ad hoc basis. So people come to you, you know, you know, we have a presentation in a week, we have you know an awesome partnership coming up, we'd like to announce everything. In the beginning especially it's very ad hoc and and what we really wanted to do over time is move it more to you know mid to long-term planning kind of perspective you still you will still have a number of things which will come ad hoc but kind of to reduce that a little bit um and and so we do that planning on a quarterly basis and then we you know break it down um on a on a, on a weekly basis so we, we we plan on a weekly basis what, what we as a team uh, have ahead of us uh, we, we track that with actually um, a couple of uh, analog boards, so we really write down stuff and put up post-its and so on. But then we transfer that into the digital world, and and uh, for for you know just process planning, we use Trello, for example, uh, which which many uh, will know, and and kind of like an internal platform. I, I wouldn't call it like an intranet, but something like a social intranet as uh, Confluence. So um, that's that's something we've been using, and then on the you know just. Um, chat kind of quick messaging uh, perspective we've been using slack from the beginning so tools i think many companies use and then have made good experiences with um, but i think this this how you structure your um your, your planning process actually and and how you actually yes put that structure then into the digital tools i think that's that's quite important yeah uh, i completely agree we um uh, we we conduct a weekly um uh, project management meeting uh, with within the marketing organization, which is really just our our sort of a weekly um, kind of catch up meeting, but um, literally we 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 pull. It's the most important meeting of the week uh, mm -hmm. because uh, we we actually sit down and and look at all of the um, all of the items in the uh, list of to dos um, that we're not going to get to, and then we we figure out what we're going to get to and we go from there. Uh, Ian, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I probably over-index on the kind of type A type of person. Um, so this is this is kind of within my within my wheelhouse. Um, so I mean, I always like to work on a kind of top-down way. Um, so for me, um, there needs to be a kind of a as clear as you can get kind of strategy on a yearly basis. So so I look and kind of look across the year. Obviously, taking into account seasonality, um, we do a lot of events, and therefore we need to kind of plan that far in advance. Uh, and then boil that down into so it's kind of yearly strategy planning, quarterly execution planning uh, in terms of what are the logistics and, um, and nuts and bolts, um, all the way down to, as you say, with a weekly weekly team session. Uh, and we go even as granular as a daily stand-up. So 9.45 every morning, uh, we are standing there with our coffees. And it's literally kind of what I, what I smashed out yesterday, what I intend to nail today, uh, and what the block is definitely doing that. So it's, it's it's really just trying to keep that pace. Um, we use Asana. Uh, I'm a big fan of Asana. Uh, just being able to kind of aid that um, um, collaboration between the team so people can assign tasks, people can kind of uh, respond directly to different elements of the task because within my kind of flat, quite flat organization, there's kind of owners of different areas, but they're all interlinked and all very dependent from the to, to what we talked about earlier in terms of that jigsaw puzzle. So being able to make sure that there is that kind of transparency and communication amongst teams and it's not just kind of a top foot down, me assigning things to people, it's the team assigning to each other in terms of where they need help, where they need support, what are the blockers, what are the deadlines, uh, challenges that they're going to have. So yeah, um, 
it, it's all about open, transparent dialogue, making sure people are aware of what's happening in terms of the project and having somewhere central that you can all reference and access, uh, whether that's a, uh, a Gantcha, whether it's a Sana, whether it's a strategy document, whatever it may be. Yeah, uh, we, we've, um, uh, we've gotten to the point now where um, uh, stuff comes in, it gets, it gets uh, organized and then it gets assigned off. Um, and a date gets associated with it before anybody's accepted anything yet. Um, so, so um, it, it really, um, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see um, just with the, um, as you guys know, in, 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 in scale-ups, because uh, we're no longer startups, as, as you mentioned, in scale-ups, um, you know, like there's, there's, um, there's just so much stuff sort of coming in from around your, uh, your organization that you have so many different tasks and things that you have to do. So the, the first part of the whole thing is, is just finding a central repository, regardless of what system it is, uh, to sort of, you know, um, monitor and uh, get everything in it. Um, uh, w one quick question for you, um, Ian. Um, how, do, how, do you, uh, how do you go about uh, justifying sort of uh, brand awareness programs uh, to your internal team. So these, these are, you know, you're building your brand in the marketplace, but they're not necessarily generating revenue for you. Um, this is a big issue that, uh, that a lot of marketers have, regardless of the, the size of the marketing organization. Uh, but in this sort of a scale-up uh, environment, how do, how do you sort of deal with that? Um, I think it's a challenge that not just I have faced for the last 20 years, but every single marketer has. Um, it, it's, it, it's critical to get that buy-in across the team and, and how you do that kind of education phase of that is to make sure that people are aware that this isn't just a kind of marketing team doing kind of fancy brand awareness activity for the sake of it. So there's actually rationale behind it. Um, so whatever you can do from, from kind of data analytics, being able to whether brand sensitivity analysis, whether that's kind of uh, influence analysis in terms of down, down the funnel in terms of transactions, it's, 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 it's imperative that you actually try and relate it to people so they understand. I mean, I talk to my engineers and product teams about the fact that they're, they're, they're working to create these amazing products and the fact that is synonymous with the brand. And once people are aware of the brand, then their, their product and our platform will come to, to the forefront of those conversations. So in a kind of market um, or any industry, if you are the thought leader, if you are the ones that are creating that, that awareness, uh, the natural reaction will be to explore further uh, within the company and therefore everybody in the company benefits, sales benefits, our customers benefit, um, so it's just, for me, it's about making it relatable um, and really trying to kind of bring people along. Um, so we recently did a big brand launch, rebrand, um, literally last week, um, where everything down from our visual identity to our kind of value proposition to our messaging frameworks, uh, our website had a full kind of overhaul. Um, so I kind of like stood up in front of the company and just kind of talked people through the process. Why, why, why did we do it? And it's not a case of marketing was sat around with a, a few dollars in our pocket and a, a few weeks to spare. It was really around the fact that we had to evolve the company and we had to push everything forward. And this is why it is relevant for you, your department, and, and the future of the business and how we continue to, to grow and scale. So, yeah, bring people along, get them excited about it. That's a, that's a bit of advice from me. Uh, okay, Philip. Yeah, I would. I mean, obviously, totally agree. You got to make uh, your, your your work transparent. You got to uh, you know let people know what what you've been up to and what the success was you had. I think also um, just just winning the trust of the management in the beginning is quite important, right? Obviously, you do that by showing your results and your successes, but also on a on a, on a personal level, if you have that trust, it gives you a little bit more more leg room basically to, to, to maneuver. And I think that's, that's super important. Um, we, we do have, um, for example, a, a bi-weekly format um, we call broadcast, basically in all hands where the whole company comes together. And we often use that as, a, as an opportunity as well to, to show what we've been working on as well. Uh, it could be the relaunch of a website, it could be a big event we prepared and so on and so forth. But to show that and, and basically to have that, um, to have that forum where people can also ask questions about it and get into a dialogue about it, I think that's quite important. So um, sometimes you tend to forget that you need to, as you said, you need to market yourself internally as well uh, because you're, you're so busy about that, like the external marketing, uh, but it really helps to, to kind of, 
and do that internally and use these opportunities to to showcase showcase your your um, your, your work. So yeah, we, we try to do that uh, regularly. Got it. Got it. Um, so the, so there's this uh, this term I, I sort of play around with, which I call um, uh, I don't know if you guys ever played the game Leapfrog uh, when you were a kid. You know, you jump over one other kid, uh, and I call it Leapfrog Metrics. Um, and, um, so we, we live in sort of a B2B space. Um, and one of the things that, um, uh, that sort of happens is we'll, we'll do well with a certain metric, um, and then, uh, not well with another metric, but ultimately end up closing deals. Um, and so we have, we have people, we have metrics that sort of leap around a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, it's almost like the unexplainable. You, you don't know why your revenue is growing, uh, but you can, you can sort of tell by some of your baseline metrics, there's a reason, but you can't necessarily prove it. Um, has, has, Ian, has anything like that happened, happened to you in your career and how have you handled it? Uh, yeah, I think the, probably the most recent is um, we kind of ripped up the B2B SaaS uh, marketing rulebook where it came from kind of our measure was all about qualified leads going into the, it's all about inbounds. Um, yeah, about, about a year and a half ago, it was, I, I don't know if I had a light bulb moment, but it just, it just felt like there was a more simple way. Uh, we work in uh, what I call a fixed PAM uh, industry. So there are only a certain amount of hotels in the world. Uh, we should be able to find out where they are. Uh, and therefore we really shifted our thinking to around influence. Um, so instead of saying we need to stimulate that inbound, uh, and we have to kind of create that that qualified lead to sales is sales should have all those leads already and we should just be influencing and engaging them uh, with relative product marketing, uh, for leadership, content marketing, we should be meeting them at events uh, and we should be building a community so that uh, we are synonymous with our, our, our industry in terms of direct booking for hotels. Um, so uh, we, we host our own conference uh, three times a year, uh, which is which is growing rapidly. Um, but for me, it was around that metric that was a case of we're being measured against this kind of this number that, that had no relevance to, to further down the kind of conversion funnel of our teams. It was a case of, well, well marketing's done a thousand qualified leads and sales have only made one sale. And you can try and kind of relate them together. But for me, it was a case of if we're influencing our, our potential prospects and we can measure the win rate increase once we have somebody who's been influenced and somebody who hasn't been influenced. And then we can measure across a, a certain time period what is the win rate increase for our sales team. So uh, for me, that's a, the kind of shift in measure that we've moved to. Uh, and then it's all about testing and learning. Is it a case of we need to in, influence people four times before we have a, a 3x uh, increase in win rate? Or is it just that that first time and, and, and that's, that's what works? Yeah, yeah the, uh, the ability to, uh, to realize that... Uh, um, in your target market, you have to influence somebody four, 10, 15 times before they actually turn into a customer. No matter how many times I see a Verizon ad during the Super Bowl or a T-Mobile ad during the Super Bowl, I'm probably not going to change. Um, but uh, I would love to buy um, the new Toyota Supra that, uh, that, that came out recently. Um, so real quick, uh, Philip, uh, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up. Um, but love to get your uh, your thoughts on this concept of leapfrog uh, metrics. Uh, I think I've decided I'm going to write a book on this one day. Uh, so, so I'd love to get your 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 thoughts on the concept. Yeah, uh, it sounds good. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much with with Ian here, so I not not too much to add. But I think um, it, it definitely makes sense to. Uh, you mentioned the cross collaboration with, with sales, for example, right? Instead of just relying on a couple of metrics, rather trying to you know figure out who's in the funnel, anyways, how can we engage that with that um, uh, with with that uh, group and, and and try to win them over? So I think that's that's something we've been we've been doing quite a bit. We also have very good experiences with uh, hosting our own events, uh, not quite conference size yet, but um, uh, really trying to get a mix of people we, we haven't really been in touch with, but we, we consider them from our go to market strategy from the target segments we have you know we would like to to get in touch with them but also bringing people uh to these kind of events who have been uh, in the funnel and, and trying to win them over so um yeah when when looking at the metrics again it, it's not so important as you just mentioned 
if it's uh, two or three or four times we've been in touch, how many brand touch points uh, they had. Um, it so sometimes can be the case that uh, you know one or two times is actually enough, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Um, but that also depends on, or that that also is due to the fact that we uh, serve this variety of companies. So uh, startups and fintechs, early stage companies, we really. Uh, have a way shorter sales cycle and, and, and their decisions are made quite quickly. So that can take just uh, a couple of weeks to month. And when it comes to traditional banks and corporates, obviously the sales cycle is, is way longer and you need way more brand touch points. So that's why just sticking to kind of one metric uh, for them all um, and, and kind of using the same for the different uh, target segments we have, um, yeah, also doesn't really make sense. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, guys, uh, this has been... Uh... Absolutely fantastic. I've, I'm going to pass it over to Ryan if for uh, Ryan's, uh, I, we, we got to come up with a segment, Ryan's last thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and here's what my brain looks like right there. Okay. We got a lot of stuff that's going on. Uh, bigger words mean they might have bigger impact, but I was trying to think of how I can relate scaling marketing to building a Super Bowl worthy team. And I think what, what really struck me as interesting is that um, the conversation was about things like creativity, flexibility, change, ambition over talent. And I thought that was interesting because if you have these inherent uh, skills and the traits that come along with it, I feel like the talent uh, is then built. And when it comes to building talent, this idea of giving employees a platform as a form of marketing, because you have you know tons of people on the bench at any given point, but the people that are on the field are the ones that you're giving the chance to. And so I think it's important to have a winning or Super Bowl S type team is to put some of these players on the field, give them the chance to, to learn, to do, and to fail. The other thing that stuck out is this obsessive learning. And I really believe, you know, the Rams lost yesterday, but it's not about winning. It's about success. And I think if you look at these leapfrog metrics and you look at things, you can't just say, did we win that? You just look at it, Are we being successful? Are we as a team growing? Are we as a team um, learning? And this idea of winning trust and winning buy-in from not only your employees, but the community, right? I mean, if you're a scale-up, you can make multiple mistakes. You can lose many games, but still be consistently successful. And this ties into, Dave, your metrics, where you have to look at this as, a, as an overall team. So I think that the willingness to fail and, and having the realistic expectations um, and the, the one overarching is looking at things internal and external. And Philip, you talked a lot about this. And, and if you look at how you're scaling your marketing, the challenge for this team is what is it internally you're doing versus what it is that you're doing externally? And how do you wrap that into a, a learning practice environment with a game book, whether it's a sauna or some sort of digital tracking formula so everybody's on the same page. But um, it, it, it looks like this, it's a bit chaotic. And I think that um, each individual person, and you, know, have, you have three or four different opinions on everything, but it's about meeting, uh, practicing, getting out on the field and actually doing. I think that marketing is one of those type of teams where you have to continuously keep throwing the ball. So you guys are, uh, you know, definitely on, uh, I imagine you as the coaches on the sideline who are trying to do this to cover to see so nobody can see what they're saying. Uh, but internally, you guys are getting everybody on the same page so you go out there and, and, and give it a good game. So marketing is a game. You got to build your team. Just make sure that you're doing it in a way that's not focused on just top talent. Uh, it's about building the team that is more talented. And, and that theme really came through. So I imagine the only reason why you guys continue to scale up is that you have this type of team mentality. One team, hashtag one team, one team, one nation, right? All that kind of stuff. So uh, it's, it's very um, aspirational when it comes to leadership and motivation and marketing, uh, you know, you guys and girls out there are the face. You're the ones that are deciding on the billboard. So it's a big responsibility, uh, but it's one worth taking. So here's to creating a Super Bowl worthy marketing team uh, with some sideline coaches to help you along the way. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. And if you are out there and you're like, this was cool. It was a good, real, organic conversation. Uh, we've got plenty more that you can check out at scaleupacademy.io. My name is Ryan. We've got Dave. We've got Ian. Ian. We've got Philip. And I think it's time to go hit the locker room, gentlemen. Thank Thanks you guys. A lot. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right.